Hey everyone, welcome to Wednesdays with Julia. We are Wednesday, June 29th, and we are streaming live from Rome, Italy. Um, we arrived yesterday, Anthony and I, and then we picked the boys up from the airport about 15 minutes ago. And now we wanted to do a show on what it's like to be a family now. Um, and I wanted to interview Anthony's sons, uh, Vincent and Elijah, about all the changes that they've gone through in the last uh, five years. They lost their mom when they were 10 and 8, and now the boys are 15 and 13, and Anthony and I just recently got married. And we just, you know, they've been an access family for the last four and a half years and have all been using the tools. They all attend access classes. And um, we just wanted to have a, a conversation about, you know, what it was like for them losing their mom, um, what it's been like watching their dad date, and what it's like now that I'm in their lives and that uh, I've moved in and, and things are changing. So welcome on the show, boys. And Anthony's here, too. So Hi. Hello. What's up? <laughs> um, so, Vincent, can you tell us your... Name, <laughs> your name, your age, and what you're into. Oh. He's chewing chocolate right now. Yeah, sorry. Um, hey, what? What's your name? Vincent. My name is Vincent. What's your middle name? My middle name is Robert. And what's your last name? My last name is Mattis. Cool. And what, what are you into? I'm into dancing, acting, and traveling the world. <laughs> <laughs> and how old are you? Oh, yeah, and I'm 13. And why are you in Rome? I'm in Rome because I'm about to take the maestro class with my dad and Julia. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, Eli, what's Hello. your first name? <laughs> Elijah. What's your middle name? David. <laughs> and what's your last name? Mattis. Cool. So, right. what? I was like every teacher ever for the first time. Is uh, Elijah Matthias here? <laughs> Elijah Mathis? There's no H in the name. It's a yeah, I get that too, Mathis. Yeah, there's, where do you see the H, man? <laughs> um, things that I'm into is, uh, or are, um, music, art, I don't know, it's kind of hard. He's an find. amazing self-taught musician. 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 <laughs> All right, and how old are you, Eli? I'm 15. Awesome. All right, what's your name, Mr. Mattis? I'm Anthony Mattis. What's your middle name? Nicholas. Okay. And what's your last name? <laughs> um, and what are you into? Uh, I'm into raising a family. I'm into spreading consciousness around the planet. I'm a holistic chiropractor by day. And what do you by night? I'm traveling. Um, <laughs> I am uh, Amazing lover of magnitude. He is an I'm amazing. A romanticism, romanthony lover. <laughs> <laughs> but traveling the world, uh, you know, get to go to classes and going to classes and, you know, doing amazing ESB sessions that I've been uh, blessed to learn and tutelage under Dr. Dane here. And um, just really, really grateful that I get to play in that energy and change people's lives and facilitate other people to greater possibilities for their life as it's done and worked for me over the last four and a half years and my family. And not to leave out our, my wonderful daughter, Aria, Nisi Mattis. She's yes. not with us, 
She's staying in uh, Stuttgart, Germany right now with her four cousins. <laughs> anyway, so we miss her, but uh, we decided it'd be best for her to stay in Germany with her four cousins who are all females. <laughs> so Awesome. So, um, so, you know, we, we, Anthony and I both wanted to talk to the boys and, uh, just get, you know, the kids perspective about what, uh, access consciousness has been for them. Um, you know, how they've, um, you know, worked through death and, uh, how they've kept creating their lives and all of the amazing things that they're into. Um, so boys, you know, Oh, I'm, I don't even want to ask this question out loud, but, um, like, can you talk a little bit about what it was like losing your mom? Yeah. Right. <clears throat> okay. So at first, when I was first told, like the day it happened, oh yeah, this is Vincent, by the way. Okay. Um, sorry. Yeah, my, my voice is pretty distinguishable. Um, but when it, when it was first told to me, like, I wasn't really sad or anything. I was kind of just shocked, and it was kind of hard to believe in process. But then after, like, the years went by or just months or days, I, like, it's, like, it struck me sometimes. I was like, oh, yeah, like, that actually happens. Like, my life is totally different now. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess in just the beginning of, like, really close to the beginning of it, it was just a shock and – now, now I don't really even think about it too much, but when I do, it kind of hits me pretty hard, but um, I just try to go on the positive side of things, and I try not, well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say don't try to think about it, because I, like, you don't want to block things out, but, like, I usually don't think about it that much, so it's not really important to me anymore, yeah. Cool, yeah, your dad's done, like, I've never seen a dad so honest. And he really told you guys all the way along the way and, you know, what was really going on. And, um, yeah, it really has created this place where you guys are creating your lives. You're not living in that. And when people are, you know, projecting at you, you know, how terrible it is, you know, it was terrible, but it's like that you guys don't have that energy that, you know, there's a damage you, you, because of, I think your dad's level of honesty, you've gone on creating your life like in freaking phenomenal ways. So Eli, um, what was it like for you? Um, in, in access, they speak of the, uh, the beyond moments and <laughs> definitely one of those. Um, but it's one of those things. It's really like, the way Vincent described it was really good. It affected me a bit different. I broke down crying right as soon as I, as I was told. And but you were a couple years older. Too. Yeah, I was two. I was two years older, at, uh, or I am two years older than Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's one of those things where you don't really. There aren't really words for it. It's, it like I. It, it sounds weird to say this, but it's like you don't know what it feels like unless you unless you've had it happen. Right. And, uh, and it's kind of weird. There's actually, I remember feeling like a physical thing. Like I I've was physically hurt by, I like shudder. You know, you actually feel it in your body. And, uh, and then, you know, me being the, uh, the little bit of the homebody introvert that I am, I just tried to bottle it all in, which came out in very negative ways. You know, nothing too bad. Just, you know, the, being a bitch <laughs> around the house and, 
many stories of my angst, but you know, you, you get over it and with not get over it, but that's been all behind us now because we, uh, you know, we use the tools and you just get better. Cool. Thanks so much. Yeah. <clears throat> oh yeah, I just wanted to add something. So there was these kids that used to live in our neighborhood and um, their names was Max and Austin, I think. And I remember they were telling me, like, this was, like, a while back before our mom passed. And um, they are like, oh, yeah, our mom passed away not too long ago. And, you know, it's sad to think that, like, you, you guys out watching this or hearing this have probably met people who've had family members that died or you might have a family member that's passed away. But, like, you, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's pretty sad. I mean, that will really suck to happen. But, like, when it really happens to you, like, it's just like a totally different way to look at it. Like when it's someone that you really care for, it's like totally different. And also it makes you kind of like look up to the people who also had um, family members that died or just people that they really care for. Cause like you kind of just like took them for granted. But so like that's, that's just like a lesson. Like don't take things for granted even if they don't seem very important to you. Right. Um, cool. Thanks man. So, Anthony, what was it yeah. for like for you and and specifically for you as a father? Well, you know, we've we've talked about this before on a former radio show. So without going into the whole details of it, I guess, right? I mean, I guess you could always set up a link for people to listen to that that call. But anyway, you know, as a father, it's, it was something that wasn't on the radar. I mean, I had no idea that this was something that was even going to be a possibility for our lives. Uh, you know, her name was Jessica, their mom's name was Jessica. And, uh, you know, she struggled with manic depression, also known as bipolar disorder. And she had been doing great for five and a half years with no meds and with all the really cool, uh, self-help tools that we had learned up until that point, things worked really well. And she sort of kind of got sick out of the blue. Uh, life was actually starting to work out for us for once as a family. But when she started getting sick again, it was like, what the hell's going on? So... As she progressively got worse, she decided to end her own life. And it was like, and we were able to, to hide the, the bipolar. We were able to hide the illness because she only had two episodes in their entire life. Uh, one, the first one was when the, Elijah was three and a half and then Vincent was one and a half. And then the second one was the last one when the boys were 10 and eight. So like they never really saw the illness per se right yeah vincent is whispering here really well that it was like hidden really really well yeah well the reason why it was hidden really well is because she wasn't sick <laughs> that much at all you know and and when she was sick the first time when they were young i had taken custody over the boys and we moved we moved out of the house so they had no clue while she was going through her rehabilitation and what have you the last time they remember her crying a lot but that was really about it. They don't remember the mania and the whole nine yards. So anyway, the day that she died, I just flat out told him, I said, mom is no longer with us. She died. She took her life. She took a bunch of sleeping pills to make herself go to sleep. I tried to explain to them how her brain was working at the time. I used the example of like the 4th of July sticks that we still sparkler sticks that we light up on the 4th of July. And I sure. You can talk Vince. what? No, no, it's okay. You know, you just said, like, it was, like, a bunch of lightning bolts. Like, it was just, like, really, really, like, intense. Yeah. And there was, like, a bunch of more signals than, like, anybody else's average brain. And it was just, like, way more, like, 
Yeah, exactly. So I was just trying to explain it just more from a scientific standpoint, even though science doesn't have a major grip on, on mental illness, unfortunately. But what was going on in her brain and her world and that she made a choice to, to end her life. And I tried to not make it a negative thing. I tried to make it sort of like a something where she created the space for us to be able to live our lives. And even though it was a choice that was really painful and it was a choice that would be sort of scar all of our hearts for the rest of our lives, that, that in her mind, she even said the day before she passed away, she's like, you guys do not deserve to live this way. I do not want to raise the children with me being mentally ill all the time. And because we had spent the last 10 years of our life doing so much help, self-help work and so heavily involved with the church, and then we had a guru and we did everything under the sun. She lost all hope because she thought she was healed and delivered from the mental illness because she had gone five, over five years without getting sick. So she lost all hope. And she's like, I don't want the kids to be raised like this. If I got sick this time and we did all that work, then I'm going to keep getting sick over and over and over again. And, um, and that was her point of view. And I, you know, and I even said to her, I said, look, we'll deal with one bad year for five good ones because that's how long you gave us this time and so but she made a choice <laughs> she made a choice to leave and she made a choice in her mind to set us free from the mental illness so that we can move on with our lives but you know you don't just move on right away hmm. you know and i don't think she knew at the time how it would impact the children you know it's like every holiday every birthday you know you see the kid the different kids at school and their moms are are there their moms show up for the birthday to bring cupcakes you know when aria was two and a half years old and we're giving her i'm giving her a bath and she's tired and hungry she's asking for her mommy you know had jessica known the impact it would have made she may have maybe hung on a little longer and so to make a long story short i told the boys everything and and I had the boys sleep with us in, 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 in Aria, the, uh, my daughter, we all slept in the same room for six months. And we, every night before we went to bed, we all talked about it before we went to sleep. And about six months after she had passed, the boys were like, well, can we sleep in our room now, dad? And I'm like, sure. And then Aria wanted to continue to sleep with me. And my point of view was like, until her emotional bank account is fully restored, she can sleep with me as long as she wants. And I had no interest in dating or anything like that. And um, yeah, so I made sure that, that when I was ready to start dating, that I would change all the pictures on the wall because I didn't want the children to ever think for one minute I was trying to replace their mom. So my target was to remove the pictures while still being single because I wanted them to see that as, okay, dad's moving on not dad's moving on because he met a girl. So that's, that's the most brilliant. That's so freaking smart. Who thinks of that? Yeah. Well, that's amazing. Um, and so that was a very painful day <laughs> without going into details, taking out those pictures because it's not like the pictures are black and white and it looked like something from 40 years ago. Pictures today are, are in color. So it seems like when you look at those pictures, it could have been yesterday and very painful. So, you know, I, I explained to him, said, Hey, is it okay if we just keep, you guys can keep a couple of pictures of mom in your bedrooms, but, but I, you know, I'd like to take them down from the house. It's time to move on. And they were all okay with that. So every time I made a choice, like a big choice, 
I always asked them. I always included them in on that conversation. I always explained why I was making the choice that I was making. And so, you know, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of yelling and screaming. There was a lot of cursing. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of times instead of being their parent, I felt like a military sergeant. You know, I can't say that it was all fun. They'd come home from school and they'd see me crying a lot, you know, and then crying would go to sometimes anger and rage. And then nine months later, you know, we, f we found access consciousness, you know. Nine, yeah, nine months. After nine, nine months, yeah, and we went to our first bars that class. Yeah, it was this lady named Lynn Waldrop. What was her name? Waldrop. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was just like a bars class, and like I didn't really care about the class because they just had M and M's there, so I was just there for the candy. <laughs> but it was like, we called the Bat Cave because it was like in a basement, and all the walls are just black. And um, I remember how fun that was. I remember we watched the bars video, and we were like, these guys are actually kind of entertaining, like watching them on the screen. And I remember the screen was like all in green. And Lynn was like, oh, yeah, they're going to look like the Hulk because my TV's all messed up, whatever. <laughs> but it was just really funny. And, like, you know, there was, like, the certain funny moments where, like, I farted or something on the table. And it was just, like, really funny. <laughs> and um, it was a really small class, but it was just really cool. It was just us. Like, we started talking about entities. Our first class was where she's like, yeah. how many entities do you think you have in you? I'm like, a thousand. <laughs> it was just really... <laughs> It was really out of this world at that moment, but like it made sense at the same time. It was a bunch of different mixed emotions, but I don't know, we just wanted to go back after that. It was a really cool adventure. So we went back and then from there, we just kept going back to more classes and yeah, cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, that class, we were the only ones that showed up to that class. So it was sort of like our family had uh, our own uh, private bar sessions. And, and you know, Lynn did a great job in facilitating my family. And because I had done so many different tools and modalities up until that point, I definitely, um, you know, just coming out of the church and just all the points of view of the church and, you know, the points of view, you can't do outside of anything if, it, if it's not like in the name of Jesus and whatnot. And so I was really concerned, you know, I'm making a mistake here, but I watched how the bars impacted the boys and how much ease it created in their worlds. Vincent, as you can tell probably by the sound of his voice, is definitely the hyper one. He's the dancer. And um, he's got lots and lots of energy. But like after 20 minutes of his bars being ran, and Lynn would say how he, the boys' bars run like adults, actually. And I, it was like someone shot him up with a Valium or gave him a sedative. And I'm like, okay, it's worth coming back for this <laughs> if you're going to get him to chill out, you know. And Elijah, he's a, sort of the chill out son. I mean, he was snoring within 30 seconds, I think. And uh, so I'm like, okay, if, if nothing else, if this doesn't even help me, I know it's going to impact the kids. Right. And they actually requested for us to go back for another class. That's cool. Yeah. And Ario at the time was only three years old. So we felt like she was a little too young. She'd be of a distraction. But, you know, uh, when I started running her bars later on, uh, when she got a little bit older, there were times where I thought, an exorcism was taking place. Yeah. So the tools have literally, I mean, just the bars alone, if that's all people ever did, a tool, the bars tools really changed and impacted our family's lives big time. And you often talk about Aria, you know, it might just be good context to talk about how Aria, from the, time, the day she was born, she would cry every single night. Like she knew something was gonna happen. Yeah, I'll never forget 
you know, when Ari was born, she was our third child. And, you know, a lot of the scientists say how, like, you know, all the neural uh, neural, uh, the neural pathways in our brain are being formed from the time we're four months in utero and dependent upon what's going on in the mom and dad's life or in the environment of the child while they're in utero will determine sort of the child's behavior. So, so according to textbook, actually that was the most chill our relationship ever was. That was the most uh, grounding our relationship was and positive. I was finally, you know, making money and we weren't fighting. I mean, everything was fantastic. And yet when Aria was born, she was very needy. She was very needy. And she never cried herself to sleep, as they say to do with kids. And you would have thought that we had never had children before because... She, she never cried herself to sleep? Yeah, you know, they'll say, you know, you want to let the babies cry themselves to sleep because if you keep bringing them in the bed, then they'll never learn how to be independent and sleep on their own. Well, I had a different point of view. My point of view was like, okay, she's obviously insecure about something. And I remember saying... It almost seems like as if Aria has abandonment issues, but there's no reason for her to have abandonment issues because it's not like we were separated while she was pregnant or we were fighting during the whole pregnancy. None of that. Now looking back, you know, hindsight, it was like she somehow psychically knew that she was on borrowed time with her mom. And, and, and now I know why. She just wanted to have every moment and every second with her mom possible because she was on borrowed time. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt. And, um, you know, and then obviously she was afraid that I was going to leave her. She used to ask me every day, Daddy, are you going to die and go to heaven too? Because then I won't have any parents. You know, at three years old, she was asking me these questions. Oh. And then she'd ask me things like, when's mommy going to come back from heaven? Like she thought she was on vacation. And those were really tough questions to ask. And, um, and to say she's never going to come back the way that you know her. She's never going to come back in that same body ever again. And so, but I let her sleep with me and for, for, for a long time. And then I started saying later, maybe three years later, I'm like, you know, you keep talking about how you want a new mommy and you want daddy to have a girlfriend and all that. I'm like, well, if you keep sleeping in the same bed with daddy, daddy's not going to get to have any girlfriends because <laughs> there'll be no space for daddy to have girlfriends. So I said, you know, what would it take for you to, to start sleeping in your own bed? So we started doing that and she would sleep in her own room for two nights. And then like the next two nights she'd sleep in my room and then two more nights she sleep in her room. And then, you know, little by little, she finally slept in her own room with, with, with total ease. And when she'd have a nightmare, I'd, I'd always say, of course, come into bed. And it was probably, probably about three years, three and a half years later after Jessica's passing was when I, set, I sat the kids down. I'm like, daddy's ready to start uh, meeting other women. I don't know if I'll ever get married again. That's not my target at all. But I am going to be dating and I might be dating more than one person. <laughs> so, you know, I want you guys to be aware of that. So you may be introduced to different people from time to time. Cool. Awesome. Yep. <clears throat> Going back to classes and stuff, I remember one of the, like, one of the main classes that really kept us with access was talking to, talking with the entities. Or yep. to talking to the entities. To the entities. Um, I remember I was, like, so scared for that class. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be haunted. Uh. And I actually still have like a fear of entities and stuff, even though I shouldn't. Um, yeah, but I remember I was like really scared for that class, but I remember um, 
meeting Gary's daughter, and it was it was just like an awesome class. And I remember talking about like demons and like portals and the coolest stuff. And I I don't know why I remember this, but I remember Gosha. If any of you guys know who that is, she visited her house for a little bit. I think she stayed over, and she like cleared a portal in her bedroom. It was like by the closet. Cause when I was little, I've I was old, I'm still a little bit, but we've always I've always been scared of like the closet area for some reason. Every little kid's scared of the closet area. I don't know why. But um, she's like, yeah, there's a heavy portal there, and she started like twitching and stuff. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, I guess there's some there's some crazy stuff going there. And she cleared it, and you know, everything felt like way lighter, and it felt like there was like the dumbbells were like carried off her shoulders. It was like. Really, really cool. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Um, Elijah, I, uh, I had one other question. Before we move on to talk more about the next phase of life, I wanted to just ask you guys, what's your, what's your favorite memory of your mom? Ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, but, you know, you well, one. Okay, one that just pops out is, um, is when my mom went full, like, mother mode, must save the child, was because we were at this water park called Waterfront Park, the way it works is you go down, but you have these little like mat things and I accidentally fell off of mine. So I'm like going down the, the water slide way, way faster than I'm supposed to. <laughs> and my mom, you know, being the superhero that she was, hops off of her mat to slide down super fast and catches up with me and catches me right before I'm about to smack into the water really hard. And it was just really funny to think about. And then, um, and then one more thing, this, this isn't as much of a memory as, as much of it is. It's just something that, well, it is a memory, but a less singular moment one is uh, she always did this face, man, where she, <laughs> she would, um, like, it was really weird. It's hard to describe. Like, she, she would cool, curl her top lip and, like squint, her, like, squint her eyes, kind of, and, like, you'd never know when it was coming. You'd, like, turn over to tell her something. She'd be making the face at you, and you'd just die of laughter. You'd be, you'd be like, hey, mom, can I, oh, my God. <laughs> So those are two that I really like. That's awesome. Cincy? Okay, um, it's not so much of a memory either. <laughs> it's just one of my favorite things about her was just, like, her adventurous, like, just her being. She, like, always wanted to, like, if there was a path that said, like, safe, and there's one that said danger, there's a big chance that you could die. She's like, let's go on that one. That's going to be fun. <laughs> like, she would always just take, like, the bumpy, like the roller coaster ways in life, you know, like the ups and downs. But um, yeah, I just really like that about her. Like she would always just like do like have these big adventures with us, even if it was just going to the grocery store. She would make it like so much fun. And yeah, I just remember that being so much fun with her. Like, it was really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, and the face that she made was really fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and she would like she would like she would like do the eyebrow thing. She would like. She'd go, like that. I can see you. I, I wish she could see me, but she would like do the eye, like up and down with her eyebrows while she was doing that. Cool. Um, so, so yeah, so what was it like watching your dad start dating? Well, I'm not going to split. Vincent has this super, uh, yeah, we're not allowed to say names. But we have this, Vincent has this quote unquote dramatic or traumatic experience. But, um, but I'll, I'll save that story for him. Um, the thing, kind of glossing over the dating, but going straight to Julia is one, one of the, 
one of the things that I thought was really great about Julia was how fast and easy it was for me to just open up to her. Like all the other girlfriends, I was kind of just like, hey, how's it going? I'm going to go chill my room now. But like, would you like be like, hey, I did this, that, and the other thing today. And, and one of the things that I thought was really funny with, that I said to you once that really surprised me was when I came home, I was like, hey, I touched tits for the first time. You can see the time set. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, can I make you a cake? Oh, yeah. She, she, wanted, to bake me, she wanted to bake me a boob-shaped cake. It was awesome. <laughs> Okay, so for me, there's a little difference, <laughs> my friend. Um, so I remember my dad first dated this girl, and she lived in this really nice neighborhood or whatever. And um, I, don't know, I think she was like separated from her, no, no, whatever, no, I don't know, whatever. So <laughs> you said no names, whatever. My dad doesn't give good directions. Okay, so um, well, we were okay. Can I tell the story though when you're watching? Okay, so we were watching this movie, and I remember it, Rihanna was in it. I remember the so clearly. It's called like Battleship or whatever. You said I could say it. <laughs> oh, right, okay, okay, okay. So we're watching it or whatever, and um, so next thing you know, me and Eli are just like sitting on the couch watching the movie, and like there's aliens coming, it's getting all excited, and um, we turn over and they're just like on top of each other making out. And I just like I look at my, I just look at my brother, I'm like. And you can hear every single smack. Like, <laughs> and I was getting really awkward. I just like put my face in the pillow and I was just trying to focus. I was like trying. It's like the equivalent of someone naked, like flinging their like dangling around and trying to watch a movie at the same time. So like I was just trying my best just to stare at the TV. Like I wasn't even watching it. I was just staring at the TV. And. I like got, I like ended up crying one of the days and I was like, Dad, like why did you have the cancer? Uh, and now like every time I see her, it's like so awkward. I actually saw her not too long ago in school. And I was like, she like as soon as we made eye contact, she's like, I know you. Like in her head. Whatever. Well that was awkward. But then like the more girls she dated, the less um yeah, like a many. Um but the more he dated the the less like um, like harsh I was about it on myself. Um, I'm not saying any more names, but well, any names at all. But um, I remember like I there's always something like a little wrong with them, like I didn't like, and then that was just like no for me because that one thing. But then like Jul, like he's like, oh, I met this really cool girl, Julia, and like he didn't even show. <laughs> he had, um, and he show, he was about to show me a picture like before I even saw him. Like, Dad, she's the one. Remember when he's saying that? Like, she's the one who's like, you don't even know that. I'm like, so many things can go wrong. And all this stuff. And then I saw a picture, and I'm like, she's really pretty. He's like, I know, right? <laughs> but whatever. Well, um, and then we got to meet her for the first time, and I'm pretty sure that was... September. Where? September. Of 2015. Oh, yeah, you came to... It was in our house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember her walking out of the on our driveway, and she had, I think she had like sunglasses on or something like that. She was like, "Hey, what's up, everybody?" It was just really cool. And like as soon as I saw her, I was like, "Dang, she's so cool!" Like it was just, like <laughs> her presence is so awesome. So yeah, and then like from there, I mean, there's some moments where I'm like, 
You know, like get her yeah, out of my house. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I get a little uncomfortable and I get kind of angry or whatever. But like other than that, she's de- definitely been like hundred percent, like out of this world, the best one. So like, not so far because there's nothing even like the best one ever on the planet. And um, yeah, just from there, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's just been a really long journey, many years. Yeah, that was a really long explanation. No, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. Um, sorry, guys. I'm choking up a little bit. Um, but yeah, I remember walking in that day, and I was like, I was like, I was like, I hope I don't love these kids. I don't know if I'm ready to be a stepmother. But as the second I met them, I was like, I never want to leave these people ever again. I just fell so in love with the kids. And I remember calling Gary that night and being like, oh my gosh, Gary, I'm so young. I didn't know if I was going to have kids ever. And, and, but Anthony's three kids are so phenomenal and so creative and so amazing. And, and he's like, I know. And, you know, I've never really gone back since, you know, it's been, we have the craziest adventures. We travel the world together and they're creative in the ways that I cannot even begin to imagine. They make me more every single day. I love you guys. Um, (laughs) um, So, yeah. So, Anthony, what was it like for you, you know, bringing, you know, me into your home? Well, you know, I mean, I had actually had absolutely no expectations whatsoever. I mean, you know, there's a pretty significant age difference between you and I. But but even from the first day I met you over two years ago, you know, I always felt a strong... uh, you know, vibrational compatibility with you, you know, and I tried to make it just about play. You know, I'd never had intentions of, of being serious and getting, getting into married a to me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that wasn't even on the radar and just because, you know, I mean, statistics, well, 50% of the marriages in the United States end in uh, divorce. And it's like, you know, why even go there? And I'd been through so much with the, the first round anyway. So I was just looking to have fun and, but so, you know, it's like by time I, you know, in, you know, mentioned it to the, the kids, it's like they kind of rolled their eyes. Like, here's another one, you know, that's bringing another one home, you know, that kind of thing. Except for Vincent. <laughs> but, but I know that when you first, when I sh- first showed you like Aria, there was like a connection. Showed me Aria? Like yeah, I showed you her on Skype while she was sleeping and there was such a connection that you had. And I remember being like, Whoa, there's something else going on. Here. I was in love with her. I was like, I've never seen such a peaceful, beautiful creature in my whole life. Yeah. And so I was like, Oh, I was I, blown away. Yeah. I took it with a grain of salt, you know, and I never thought, you know, and even when we first met, you were like, I don't want a serious relationship. I want an open relationship. And I'm like, well, I don't want that either. You know? And, um, you know, and I think we were both just lying to ourselves and it was like, Oh yes. You know, and the kids just sort of like, you know, and I remember even Gary, when I would, Oh, I would consult Gary with regards to relationships all the time. And he would say with regards to having, you know, stepchildren involved, he's like, there'll always be one out of all the kids that won't like them. The other two will, but there'll always be one. And this was the first time that all three liked you. Now, Vincent, probably somewhere deep down in the back of his world, he didn't want to like you because that's just how he is. 
He doesn't like change too much, but he couldn't help but to like you. And for him to actually say, this is the one before you even arrived at the house, I thought that was pretty, pretty psychic of him, you know? What were we going to say, Vince? Oh, yeah, another way that we knew for sure that she was the chosen one uh, was that, like, when she came to visit, Dad was so happy. He was, like, like on top of the world when she was here. And then, like, not just not, – this is not just how we knew that she was the one for Dad before all of us is because then when she left, you know, it was eh. – <laughs> it got it – got, I mean, he wasn't nearly as, like, joyful as he was when she was here. That for I mean, many other reasons. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that was just another way to, like, like know that, like, yeah, like, Dad really needs her and we all need her, need her just for, just for, like, enjoyment of life and just to get through, like, living. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. It's, like, I see things that you guys do that I, I never, ever would have thought of doing. Like, like the, like the video, yeah, like the way that the, like that Elijah teaches himself how to play the guitar, the way that Vincent makes videos, the way that Aria, you know, makes up songs and dances, the way that Anthony cooks and does things, and, and, and we show, <laughs> Vincent's laughing because he's like, look at, it does not a good cook, <laughs> but just like the, and the way the, Oh, the honesty that Anthony has had with the kids. Like, he includes the kids in every choice. Sometimes I'm like, you're going to ask the kids about that choice? What? And But it's like they're involved in everything, and it's just amazing because they're, they're not kids. They're just, you know, we're, we're five adults living together, even Aria, who's seven, you know? There's, there's no difference between parent and kid. Other than One thing, I li I'd like to say this, though, for – people who you know any single parents that are out there and they're dating and you know they plan on bringing you know another lover into the home in whatever capacity you know my mom was married three times my dad was married twice and when there's a step parent coming into the equation it's not always easy and more times than not and I, I didn't feel included in either of my parents choices and in fact I felt excluded and it created a lot of resentment in my world. And I, I didn't fully like and embrace the people that they started dating. Or, you know, when, when my mother remarried, I didn't fully embrace that person. I didn't really respect him, first of all. But it was like one day, it's like, oh, I'm marrying so-and-so. And I'm like, you know, there, there was no like ongoing conversations about where she was in her world with regards to the relationship. And there was no like preparing me for this. And and I really resented her. And, and even, and then my dad, when he remarried, it was like, I wasn't really included in on any of that. And so I did not have a good relationship with my dad's second wife. And, you know, there were a lot of other issues there as well. So, so I wanted to make sure that, that I was going to do completely the opposite yeah. of that and include the children in on it and let them know that is going to be holding hands with, with Julia. That is yeah. going to be and kissing. And that was hard for Aria at the beginning. She didn't, really talk about it until later but she was like yeah I used to get really really jealous when you held dad's yeah. hand when you first started coming around and I had no idea but it's like 
Yeah, but then she started to actually make sure she would actually take my hand yeah. and put it on your hand and make sure that we're holding hands. One time when we were kissing in the, in the kitchen, she would say, and we'd stop because she'd kind of put her head in between the both of us and we'd stop to pay attention to her. And she'd be like, no, don't stop making out. Keep making out. I'll tell you when to stop. Only stop when the cupcakes are ready. <laughs> you know, but that, I never would have done that. You know, no, yeah. it's like when I would see my mom making out with some guy or my dad kissing his, making out with his, his new person, it pissed me off. I'd be angry. I could feel like internal rage going on in my world, you know, and it's like little Aria is only eight years old, encourages us making out, you know what I mean? And it's like, that is not normal. That's not common in this reality. Yes. So for you, let me ask you, so what's it like being a stepmom coming in and having sort of like pre-made, a pre-made family? <laughs> well, it was, it was, it was really, really scary at first, to be totally honest. I was like, I'm a young woman, you know, my business is just coming off the ground. I've never lived alone. I'm sort of a spoiled brat. <laughs> and to have to make a huge shift to like, okay, it's not just my life anymore. I haven't, you know, I hadn't even been in a, in a relationship longer than one year at, you know, when I met you and the kids and, um, to go from having to learn how to be in a relationship to having to learn how to be, um, you know, I'm a mom to Aria. She calls me mom and, and, you know, the boys call me Julia and, you know, or mama Juju. They call yeah. me mama Juju sometimes. Um, <laughs> but it's like, that was a big big transition for me. I'm like, I, there were days I had panic attacks. I'm like, I have not panic attacks, but I would just yeah. panic. I did. I'm like, how am I ever going to do this? How am I ever going to be what they need? But one well, thing, the one thing I'd like to, if I, if I may interrupt, the one, the one thing that I know is you like to do everything perfectly. Yeah. You know, you had a 4.0 at university, you're top of your class, you know, growing up, you know, in elementary school, middle school, high school. And it's like, and I'm like, when I go, being, there are no 4.0s when it comes to being a parent. Yeah. Because you will make mistakes. <laughs> if you try to be a perfect parent, you will go insane. Yeah, I and that's actually exactly what I was doing. Like, I would have no concept of myself left because I was, like, trying to please every single person exactly. And I just, I couldn't do it. But then it was right. like, yeah, when you said that, and it was like, I was willing to fail. I was willing to not do it perfect. I was willing to disappoint the kids sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It was like everything got easier. And you can't always be their best friends either. You have yeah. to be willing to be a parent. That's their best friend, but not their best friend. Yeah. That's a parent. Yeah, that was tricky. That was tricky because I wanted to be their I wanted to be close to them. I wanted to be their best friend, but at the same time it was like oh my gosh, like things have to get done around the house. We have to leave the house at a certain time. It right. was like, especially yeah. when you weren't around, I was like, how am I going to do this? But it was just like, you just make choices in the sure. moment and it gets easier and easier. And, but it's like that all aside, I mean, that was one little piece of what the change has been because I never, I always wondered like, like what's the point of, 
being alive if you're not being a contribution, but I could never seem to find where I really could be a contribution. And when, you know, facilitating access classes has showed me that I can be a real contribution to people. But doing things like teaching Aria how to make cookies for the first time yeah. and taking her out and, you know, giving them to the neighbors and showing her what it's like to just give to people and, and you know, playing the piano with her and, you know, playing with the boys, going on adventures with the boys, you know, things like that. It's like, I'm like, wow, I actually have a place in this world. I have something that I can contribute that, you know, these you know, kids wouldn't get from anybody else. Yeah. When you first came to the house, what did you say? You found your, I found my tribe. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's just, you know, you tapped into the energy of it. And every time you would ask the question, you would say of, you know, what will my life be like five years from now? If I choose this, what will it, it was never anything but extremely light. Yeah. Like I, you know, we talk in access about looking at whether things are heavy or light, yeah. you know, kind of like trusting your gut. And if you look at the, I, oh, every time I looked at the energy of it, it was exponentially lighter. Like there was no denying it. Yeah. And on paper, if you, you know, when you look at the age difference between you and Yeah, there's I, 22 years between us. Yeah. I mean, it's like on paper, none of it makes logical sense. But when you yeah. look at it energetically it makes total and complete sense. And, and that, you know, so how much of us do we function from uh, being logical and making, making choices that make logical sense, but not following your gut, if you will, right. not following the lightness, what's true, what's yeah. true for you. And, and gosh, it's like so many of my dreams have come true since you and I have been together. Yeah. You know, literally. Yeah, yeah no, the, the contribution that, like, you know, I had a lady who, when I was moving down to South Carolina, she's like, she's like, you are going to be so busy being a, a mother now. Like, I hope that you keep being a facilitator. But that, like, I, my business and my life and everything that I do has become far greater since I've been with you guys. And the silliness and the laughs and the craziness that we have together, it's like everything is bigger a thousand times. And it really comes down to committing to your life, to committing to the choices that you've made and never having a back door and going 100% into what you're choosing. So, so thank you guys. Do you guys have any closing comments? Thank you for doing this. Um, not really. What? Thank you for listening. <laughs> yeah. And listen to Julia's other radio shows. They're awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Um. Yeah. So thank you guys for you know God. You guys are the most honest, well-spoken kids I've ever met in my whole life, and I'm so grateful. And thank you for sharing this information with the world because this is not something that's normally talked about and we rarely get the kids' perspective on things. So we're really grateful for your perspective. So thank you for being on the show. Welcome. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that concludes this Wednesday. And um, from Rome, Italy, thank you guys so much for joining us. And we will talk to you next Wednesday. Bye-bye.